Now let's continue our teaching on um, prayer basics, which we have been on for some time. I want to remind us again that prayer is very important. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Again, I would like to remind us of why he said that. If every time you prayed, you got quick results, he would not have made that statement. So when you hear men ought always to pray and not to faint, it's because sometimes results will appear delayed. It will appear delayed. And there are many reasons for that. I don't want to go into the reasons now. But that's to let you know that if results are delayed, it's not reason not to pray anymore. Alright? That's why we have that instruction. You must pray and not get tired of praying. And last time, please let me just say it again. Before I say what I said last time. Now this is so important because the way God designed it, He designed, how do I say this now? The design, okay, of life is that God must be a part of our lives every day. And the way by which we consciously bring Him into our lives is prayer. For that reason, if you are neglecting to pray, it's a sign of lack of faith. It's a sign of trust in your own energy. It's a sign of trust in your own strength. Do you understand? So, prayer is a sign of faith. It's a sign that you are not depending on your own energy. Rather, you are depending on the power of God with you. Prayer is a sign that God is the one you are leaning on. And it's possible to pray all the time. And you're going to see how, in the, as we go on, there are different types of prayer. We'll see that again as we go on. But I want to continue from where we stopped last time. And that's the fact that, you know, last time we explained the basis of approach. That we do not approach God in the power of our good works. And for that reason, we took our declaration, which you normally take every time we want to start praying here. We took it at the beginning of study last time and the time before just for the sake of emphasis. We do not approach God on the basis of our own energy, on the basis of our own good works. We don't. What that means is that if I go to God to pray, never forget it. I do not expect to be heard because of what I have done. I do not expect to be heard because I came hungry. I do not expect to be heard on any other basis other than the fact that God loves me. He has shown me mercy. And that mercy is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. So what I do is that I come in the name of Jesus. The Bible tells, tells us very clearly that there is a new and living way. In Hebrews chapter 10 we read, it said, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now he was referring, of course, the, the animals then, the way they used to treat the animals. That's what he's talking about, washing. We are being washed by the washing of water with the word of God. He said we approach God, we come into the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and, and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil. And that is his flesh. So we know that it's in, on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus that we approach God the Father. It's on the basis of that shed blood of Jesus, not on any other basis. It's not because my father, all right, was a preacher. You know, there are people who think like that. They think there's a special anointing in their family because their father, you know, 
<laughs> they are ministers' children. So when they pray, God will hear them. And then there are those who actually think that God hears the minister more than he hears them personally. Do you get my point? No, but you know the truth? It doesn't work like that. It's your faith that's the issue. God hears you because you are his child. I keep on telling people, the best person to pray with you is not the anointed man of God. The best person to pray with you is somebody who is touched by the feeling of your infirmities. Are you getting my point? That is, if you are, for example, you are a married man, you are a married woman, both of you, that is, both of you couple, you are believers. When two of you join hands in agreement, it's more powerful than calling one pastor to pray for you over the phone. It's more powerful. Trust me, it's more powerful. Because the, um, you know, some of the preachers you listen to, me included, I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody. You don't know whether we, God is angry with us. I hope you're getting my point. You don't know. I mean, the last election, you saw how God was angry with many people. You saw it. <laughs> okay. You just go there and just assume you have a man that God is angry with to be praying over you. Just approach. See, don't be afraid. Your faith is good. Amen? Amen. And once you approach God, look, join hands with somebody who's, who's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. If two of you in agreement approach God, he will answer. Anointing doesn't make him answer you more than other people. Do you understand my point? The reason why he answers is because you are of faith in Christ Jesus. You are accepted in Christ Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. You see what he said in Hebrews chapter 10. He said, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. What does the blood do? It makes an atonement for our souls. Do you understand that? The blood does what? It makes atonement. Because sin is what separates us from the Father. It is sin. And then sin is forgiven. Once we confess our sins, that our sins are washed by the shed blood of Jesus. And once your sins have been washed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you are accepted in the presence of God. And that's why we make sure we don't pollute it or dilute it. Let me quickly say this. Many times people dilute something as if it's not good enough. We have to be careful that we don't attempt to improve on the blood of Jesus. Yes, it's important. Because anytime you try to improve on it, you spoil it. I hope you're getting my point. Many people, they are coming, they don't feel confident enough. So they say, before I come, let me put a seed ahead. But that's dilution. The blood just got weaker. Please, I need to say this again and again. I am not preaching that Christians should not give. Did I say that? No, bear me witness. Have I ever said that? You don't sound confident. You think I said so? Behind your back. You've heard me for a long time. Good. I like that kind of assurance. I've never said it. What I've just said, which I'm saying again, no matter what you have done, don't even look towards it as the reason why God will do you good. That's what I'm saying. Don't have a false confidence. Your confidence must be in the love that the Father has for you which is manifested in, his, in the Son, Jesus Christ. The name of the mercy of God is Christ Jesus. The name of the love of God is Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world. This was how he showed his love for the world. He gave his only begotten Son, and that is Christ Jesus. That is enough, a reason. He doesn't need any extra reason. Okay? Now, let me just quickly add this, because some people may be confused. I am not saying you should not be living recklessly. Because God will still hear you, which is what the law of grace teachers say, which is not true. Because that is a sign of unbelief. I hope you're getting my point. 
is a sign of unbelief. It's a sign of lack of respect. It's a sign that you don't appreciate what he did for you in Christ Jesus. And that is why the power of the blood may not work in your life because you don't appreciate it. Do you get my point? You know, there are things, you know, out of appreciation. Do you understand? I mean, there are people that they will just sit in school, students, and they know what their parents are going through to put them in school. For that reason, they say, boy, I can't, I, I can't live like this. I know my father and my mother, what they are going through to make sure I'm here. Do you get my point? That's what I'm talking about. Just appreciation is respect. It's not like we're not trying to use it to gain something. It's just a sign. All right, as we go on, we'll see it. Many things we do, they are signs. They are signs. You know, today, as I was meditating about this evening's meeting, in the morning, something struck me. I said, my God. I said, do you know your posture in prayer can be a sign? Yeah, you see as we go on. Your posture. Because I'm beginning to understand something now. You can't be praying. No. I'm very sensitive to this. I'm very sensitive. If I'm talking to you, you can't look at your phone. Human being. If I'm talking to you, if you look at your phone, I stop talking. The moment your eyes move away from me, I stop talking. Instantly, I stop talking. You have to, I mean, I have to see that you're listening to me. Small aside. Some people say that. Don't worry, I'm listening. If anybody ever tells you that, the person is fooling himself, not even you. The human mind is not configured to do two conscious things at the same time. You can drive and talk. Why? Driving is, has been, by training, is automated. You don't think about it anymore. You just move, 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 move. You know? You don't even think about it. It's automated. So that's, and then you notice that even when you are driving, sometimes you get to a difficult junction. You tell the person, you, I mean, your two hands on this, in this thing, you are using your car, you know, speaker to talk, but tell the person, please, hold on. Why? Suddenly you need to concentrate to navigate. You can't talk at that time. Now, I'm just talking about who human means. So, you really can't be praying and you're checking your phone. That's how I'm going. You can't. I'm discovering it a lot of re- Look, there are little, little reasons why God has not been able to answer us. We don't just come in enough faith. What do I mean by enough faith? Yeah, see, there's something about practical faith. There's this arbitrary, impractical faith we all have, which is God is everywhere, as an example. But we can sin against him when no human being is watching. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If they say, do you believe God is everywhere? Yes. Then how come you can sin against him when nobody's watching? You are not fully persuaded. If you were fully persuaded, you would say like David, where can I hide from your presence? That's what I mean. So sometimes, we talk as a habit. Prayer. But one thing I want to do in this series is to Bring us into focus on what prayer is. So if you are going to talk to the Father, and you are conscious that you are going to talk to the Father, I don't need to tell you more than that. You comport yourself, you understand, in a way that reflects respect. Just simple respect. It, it sounds funny, but if you think well about it, for that reason, it's not like you will be eating, and you say you are praying. It's a sign of faith. You just put the spoon down. Lord, I need to talk to you. You can't continue, Lord, this matter. And yet, there's just some, I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's not, I'm not giving you rules, hard and fast rules. But it's just something that comes upon you when you recognize who you are dealing with. You want to talk to him? You want to make a request? 
Ah, uh, no. Something will change the way you even position yourself. Maybe you are lying down and you have the energy you want to pray. You will sit up. Unless you are not seriously praying. Brethren are praying, just lie down. <laughs> There's one thing Pentecostals do a lot. So let's begin to pray for Nigeria. You'll be speaking rubbish tongues. You know, most of the tongues I hear, they are rubbish tongues. They are rubbish tongues. One of the ways you know, the, the person is half asleep. You've not, you've not heard it before. Let's begin to pray. For, I, I will tell people that, look, 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 before you get into that, look, our book will soon be out, all right? Re, re, receive the Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. One of the things I thought inside the book is, look, I look at the way Pentecostal said they are speaking in tongues. I just look at it. I don't believe 90% of it. I think a huge chunk is gibberish. What do they call gibberish? Nonsense talking. I can't even be half asleep. I tell me Even if you are God, will you listen to you? So I tell God, listen, exhaust the understanding you have first. Capture your mind. Get into the flow of what you are talking about. Maybe it gets to a point you don't know what else to say. Then you switch. But not just, but once you just give a prayer point, very common amount of Pentecostal. It's laziness. Lack of word. The word of God. We don't have the proper words to take to God. So we hide behind we are speaking in tongues. And I can tell you most times we are talking nonsense. I say that with confidence. I say it as a man who has believed for over 30 years in spiritual things, including speaking in other tongues. After observing for a long time, I said, brethren, be quiet. People can't engage their minds about anything. Once you give them a prayer point, <laughs> they just start talking. I said, wait, bros, wait now. Quote one or two scriptures. Show the Lord you know what you're talking about. Show to him what you are saying, what you are dealing with is serious to you. I said this boldly. As a group, as a people, hmm? Are we really speaking in proper tongues? I doubt. You know why I say I doubt? What about the other gifts? The Holy Spirit can only speak in strange languages. He can't even interpret. <laughs> Brethren, we need to wake up. That's why I wrote that book. Receive the Holy Spirit. It should be, I mean, it should be able to, it should be, the cover should be out in the next few weeks. Alright? I would like everybody to read it. I'm just saying that so, our faith is manifested. I went into that, explained the fact that if you are walking in sin, it's a sign of lack of faith. You have no respect. God is not using your self-righteousness. You have not done anything wrong to bless you. No, that's not what he's using. He's using the power of the shed blood of Jesus. That's the basis. However, if you are walking in sin, you are denying the power of that blood. Because the blood does not only cleanse you from the sins you have committed... He cleanses you from sinfulness. So if you really have faith, it's not only cleansing of past sins that you will experience, you also experience cleansing of habitual sins. Please, let's bear that in mind. So let's continue. We discussed that last time. God doesn't answer us because of our good works. The reason he answers us is because of the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. The fact that you can relate with the Father and with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, is what is called righteousness. It's a hearing, is a righteousness of God revealed. There are three forms of righteousness. One of them is called the righteousness of God. The other two forms are righteousness by works, and the other one is the righteousness of the law. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Works and the law can be similar to each other, but they're actually different. Law means you are following the laws given to Moses. But there are so many forms of righteousness. Self-righteousness is there. Righteousness by works. But herein is the righteousness of God revealed. The righteousness of God is from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. The life we are living, we derive the life, the, you know, the supply of the spirit of life into us comes on the basis of faith. So, God accepts us on that basis. If you have faith in Christ Jesus, you are accepted before God. So, you can walk into his presence anytime on that basis. Like we read now from Hebrews chapter 10. I just quoted from around verse 19. It said, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. So, we have that confidence. We can come into that holy place with confidence. We don't feel inferior. We don't feel rejected. He said, what if I've committed a sin? He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's why God listens to us. I will say it again. It is not because you are fasting. It's not. Your hunger does not in any way improve the potency of your prayer. What your what Christian fasting is, there are two sides of Christian fasting. A fasted life, God said, speaking through Isaiah, is that life that departs from everything that displeases God. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? A day for you to go hungry, humble yourself, make your face look like this. He said, no. This is the fast I have chosen. To depart, in summary, from doing evil. So anyone who is departing from doing evil is, is, is fasting. So every day you are cleansing yourself with the washing of water by the word. That is fasting. I hope you are getting my point. That is fasting. That is number one. The second kind of fast Christians get involved in is simply the issue of what? Concentration. Listen, in life you have to make taking time out to concentrate on the things of the spirit. You have to make it a habit. You can take a number of hours a week if there's nothing to do, just sit down there and read a book. Listen to a message. It's important. Read a book. Listen to a message. Think about the things of the Spirit. What kind of things do you think about? Meditate on Christ Jesus. Think about God. Think about the power of His creation, that is His ability to create. Think about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Think about the things you have heard, taught. You've heard instructions from scriptures. Just think about that. Oh, last time I heard my pastor say that himself took my infirmities and my diseases. Think about your life. What's your purpose for living? Think about it. If you go and read the scriptures, you will see that Nebuchadnezzar, when he dreamt, when Daniel was interpreting that dream for him, he said the time came, your mind turned to what will take place in the future. God has this thing about people's turning. I'm a Bible teacher. There's no time that that's not, I'm not exaggerating. There's no time I take time, even if it's five minutes, to meditate on the things of the Spirit and Scripture. I don't get new understanding. Five minutes. God likes that attention thing. You see, what He does is to try to get our attention. Just by the way, I was in the other day in Psalm 103 that God does not deal with us according to the multitude of our iniquities. Something struck me there that sometimes, he give, now listen, he literally will give you a problem. 
Not because of sin, but because it needs to get your attention. You know, everything is moving up and down. You don't have his time. I remember one testimony, Pastor, he had he gave then. He traveled to a foreign country anyway. As they're about to land, a pilot begins speaking English. You know what I mean by pilot speaking English? Land now, the guy couldn't land. Land now, the guy couldn't land. Two hours. Oh, not 15 minutes. The tire not great come out. No, they cut tire. The undercarriage did not agree to descend. They kept on going round and round while the engineer was doing what he had to do. Pastor he said, after, when they didn't land, they just prayed, Lord, into your hand, I commit my spirit. So the Lord said to him that it's because of you, the tire is not coming down. What did I do? Say, so once you land, you won't have my time. So now, you can't go anywhere. Let's talk here. So he started praying and meditating. He continued until the tire said, okay, guys, everything is okay. And, it, and true, true, as they touched ground, Daddy, you're welcome. Daddy, over here. Daddy. <laughs> you will see, Jesus will depart from the crowd to a remote place to go and pray all by himself. When Moses was very busy taking care of sheep, God wanted to talk to him. You know what he did? He set the bush on fire. The Bible said, when the angel of the Lord saw that he turns to look, God's always trying to catch people's attention. So one of the things that Christians do with fasting is what I've talked about. It has, now please get me. I've never understood the basis of this, I will not eat. What I understand is that I will not eat is because of what? Distraction. Let me give an example. If I've not eaten the whole day, and I'm supposed to preach at 5 o'clock, and you bring pandayama at 4.30, I won't eat it. Because I'm going to preach. It's not because I'm spiritual. It's just common sense. I'm going to preach. However, those of you who don't know me, let me just let you know. I am not mounting this pulpit without eating anything. I'm not eating this morning. I'm going to stand here for two hours talking. I know the Holy Spirit can give life to my mortal body, but I shouldn't give him that job if there is food around. I hope I get my point. So, I've been to churches before. Maybe I traveled down. They are there clapping and singing. Guest minister is coming. I just said the bro. Says, sir, do you need anything? I said, meat, pie, and cook. I just heard it. Then they surprised. I said, guys, now travel, we travel, come here. As soon as I land, they don't, okay, quickly, I don't enter hotel room. They, are, you know, they just pick you up. You enter hotel room, they are waiting outside. Church service don't start. Ah, I go do fly, say, ha! Sir, is there anything you need? Ah, I need to eat. As they are there, I just go to the side. Those of you know how I do my cook, I pour water inside the cook, make sure it's very dilute because it's the water I need. I have to eat something. I need the energy. For those who don't know, I learned from things I suffered. I've gone to preach before, I'm dehydrated. For three days, my mouth is sore. Yeah, because I spoke on a dry mouth constantly for an hour. I said, no, I need to do it again. No, so I'm going to say something here. <laughs> we, use, we use common sense for these things. So if you want to go and meditate and pray, you don't want to go there and just say, Lord, we want to meditate. They first give you a shawarma, then they give you, uh, you know, fried rice with chicken. Say, Lord, when I finish this one, we're going to meditate. They are going to sleep. And, going to be, and when you do like sleep like that, you'll be dreaming of what? Earthly things. So what I'm trying to say is that, see, we are going to meditate. We don't want distractions. We don't want distractions. 
we don't want food matter. One day I remember I was preaching. The person came to serve us food at that particular program, our convention. Said she wanted to go. That it was getting late. So after my brethren put their heads together, they said, okay, let's go and eat. Interrupted the program, went to eat. Then came back and they left me, Banky, to preach to people who literally had just finished eating pounded yam. That's not a joke. That day it was pounded yam. They ate pounded yam. They went, left the hall, went, sat down, ate pounded yam, returned and said, yeah, Banky, bless us if you can. <laughs> I looked myself, looked look the people. He said, which kind of wala is this one? Of course, as you are preaching, I could feel the anointing bouncing back in my face. People were trying to digest a goosey and hear the word. How do you manage? It was a dream. Oh, I remember that day. I still remember what I was wearing. It was white. And what I'm telling you is nothing less than 20 years ago. What am I saying? It's more than, it's, about, it's at least 24 years ago. And I remember the tomorrow. The Pondediam experience. So the following year, that evil spirit came back again we're having a nice time. The person who came to serve us with the said, he won't go. That she wants to leave. Because, you know, you know, there's an arrangement that was made. She was supposed to eat dinner at this time. But now we're in the spirit. How do we leave the spirit to come and attend to the flesh? She said she wants to go. This time around, the president had, maybe he remembered the previous year. So told the Ketra, you can leave. What about the food? Eh, make up your mind. Trust us to take care of your things. Keep the food there. We'll take care of it. Otherwise, you can go with the food. But this meeting, <laughs> I am not interrupting it for anything. That's what a fast is. As a minister to God and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. So I've learned as believers to take time out to focus on spiritual things. I gave a tip last time. Let me give it again. All right? You don't have to go on a six-day non-stop fast. Let me tell you something here. People of God, don't start what you can't finish. Say, what do I say? I won't live until God talks to me. <laughs> Bro, stop saying things like that. Because it may take him a year. And you can't force him to say what he doesn't want to say. Yeah, there are things I don't say. If you do, do, do you know good you for God? I won't live unless he talks to me. Because, all right, sit down there. What you don't know is that he said that thing last year. He said, I'm not repeating myself. So I don't like to do things. People say that if you stay there, stay there for how long? I said, listen, I don't do it. So I don't say I'm not going to eat until God speaks. Eh? <laughs> Brethren, that is a risky idea. So we say, but God must speak. There's no problem. So I follow the path of Daniel, and that's what I want. that's the tip I'm dropping again. Daniel, we rise up in the morning. You go and pray. Take a small piece of bread. And maybe a glass of juice, drink that, and go to work. Then when everybody is feasting, he goes to the corner again and goes to meditate. And in the evening, he eats a light meal and prays again. And then goes to sleep. That you can do for a lifetime. I hope you're getting my point. This biri biri you know what they call biri Nobody go careless for here. Nobody go kerubu. Sele. You go sele. You go sell. You go Sabbath. Those people can use fast to kill a human being. My mother had a friend that time. My God, they had this one. They used to do in their church once a year. Those things they are very ungodly. I don't. I know Christians do it. I don't know why they do it. They, they will not eat. They will not drink. Like a whole week, no food. 
a certain time they will discontinue water. And I've been asking, like my mother said that time, when she go to her friend's house, one day her friend was seeing her off. The woman staggered, said, hey, hey, I beg, I beg, I beg. Go back. The day she was just seeing my wife, my wife laughed. I just got married that time. So my mother and my wife were just seeing you. She just said, did you kill people? <laughs> See, what is all of this? How many people did you kill? That you will suffer like this? Christians do it. I see no basis in scripture. I don't see any basis. I see no basis in scripture. See, sometimes I like people just do things, but this one I like to face it head on. The idea, there's one guy, I won't mention his name. I don't know whether he's sitting in front or wearing red hair. I don't know. In their church, when they want to ordain you, they lock you up somewhere, no food, no water. I say, I don't want ordination, leave me. I say, I don't want ordination. I don't want that the oldest people looking at me and laughing. Eh? Lock you up inside somewhere. That's what Hindus do. No, Christians sometimes, I want to declare Christians, look, look, look this thing. Don't stop trying to behave like, if you want to see people who fast, go and meet Hindus. Those guys are master fasters. There's sex in Hinduism, Buddhism. When they talk about fasting, oh God in heaven. They do all kinds of strange things. And Christians want to bring them into Christianity. A Hindu will say to achieve enlightenment, is not going to sit down. Not for a day, not for two. Not for a year, not for two. They give themselves 11 years, 12 years, I'm not sitting. Yes. And look at you, will not sit down. No, the guy is not sitting down. The guy I'm talking about is also not lying down. So I don't mean that he's just going to be lying down or standing up. No, he's neither sitting or lying down. And he's going for 12 years like that. Within a few months, his feet were so swollen, they blistered. The blisters broke into sores. But he did it. This harsh discipline of the body is not Christianity. If you sin, confess your sin to God. People say, no, when you practice, your stomach won't hurt you again. Go ahead. I'm not saying you shouldn't practice, but don't think it adds anything to your life. What I'm just emphasizing to you is this. Two kinds of fast Christians get involved in. Number one, a lifestyle of continual cleansing by the word, departing from everything that displeases God. That's the first kind of fast Christians get involved in. A lifestyle of continual cleansing by the word of God or with the word of God. A lifestyle that departs from anything that displeases God. That is the first kind of fast we Christians get involved in. And I picked that from Isaiah chapter 58. God says, Is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke, to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house. When you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. And if you give yourself to the hungry 
and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Let me just read, uh, stop reading there. That's verse um, 11 of Isaiah chapter 58. Alright? I just read a few verses there. And we said the second kind of fast that Christians get involved in is that taking time out to concentrate on the things of the Spirit or meditation of the Word of God and, and prayer. That this is about concentration. It is about concentration. It is not about harsh disciplining of the body. It is that anything that constitutes a distraction, we must get rid of it. And that is why you cannot tell me you are fasting and you are keeping an appointment with your cup. So now, let me just go into the main thing that we have for today concerning a prayer. I'll just reviewing what we said about the proper basis of approach. All right? Now, when we approach God, what exactly have we come to do? And that's the thing I want to explain a bit more today. Because, you see, prayer is not just getting our needs met. Prayer is not just asking God for things. It's not just... You know, having requests, give me this, give me that, is much broader than that. You know, today when I was meditating, I remember something I saw, the way some people pray. They say, my father, my father, as I begin to pray, every power fighting my destiny, die by fire. It's a very silly way to pray. As I begin to pray, every power fighting my destiny. What does it mean? Because I think I would rather use one of the most meaningless ways to pray. If you know what prayer is, you can't say that. You, can, you, you, know, you can't say it. You can't say it. I'm sorry to say this. I see Christians pray a lot. And what they call prayer, and I wonder that. Wait, is this Christianity you are practicing? I don't think so. One sister said, uh, I said, which church do you go to? She told me the name of her church. I said, what? He said, yes, I like it because they make me pray. I said, no, they don't make you pray. They make you fight. <laughs> they make you angry. They make you suspicious. Yes, they do. How can you start prayer? As you are starting, my father, my father, as I begin to pray, every power, fighting my destiny, die by fire. Please, let me just summarize that. Please stop that. Okay? Please stop that. We don't go to prayer to be fighting enemies. I hope you're getting my point. No, we don't. We don't. That's not what we use prayer for. There are so many spiritual exercises in life. I need to emphasize it quickly before I get into this. There are so many spiritual exercises people get involved in in life. And many of them work, but they are not prayer. Let me give an example. There are many books written out there. Okay? Now, before I give you an example, the problem with that, those things is that it, because they work, a lot of times Christians, people, bring them into Christianity. And they give you some testimonies. And they now mainstream it. They make it part of Christianity when it is, it is not Christianity. Let me give you an example. Do you know, when I was young, I, re- I read many books uh, as we were learning the faith. Over time, we dropped some things. Many books, I saw one book sometime ago, I won't give you the name of the title. I won't give you the title of the book. I have two different books. Actually, when I saw that book, I thought it was one I had read before, which was a bit more Christian. So I picked it and I started reading. After reading it for a while, I said, this is not a Christian book. This is... This is simple Eastern religion. Let me explain what they say. They say, this is the secret to having anything you want. Meditation. So, see yourself with the thing. So a woman wanted to get married. 
So she practiced the, the principle. It didn't work. So they went and she went and told their coach. It didn't work. They said, no. Are you really seeing yourself married? Are you saying it? Saying it. Saying it. The woman said, yes. So they asked her, do you make breakfast for two in the morning? She said, no. See, then you are not really seeing it. So when you wake up in the morning, make breakfast for two people. I guess when you want to sleep also, make bed for two people. And then, after some time, according to the book, which I know is half a lie, but alright, according to the book, within three months, she was married. And the story filled the whole book. I think after, I've, I think I've read half with them, put in the dustbin, something like that. Okay? Yeah, I, I do stuff like that. I say rubbish, don't come and confuse me. Now, but because it gets results, people bring it into church, quickly look for a small bucket of name of Jesus, sprinkle some of the name of Jesus on it, and it's when you want to pray, you say in the name of, then you begin to see it's not Christianity. In Christianity, you, we are not allowed to focus on our desires. We have to be careful. In Christianity, what the Bible says, you know, he chooses our inheritance for us. That's Christianity. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above what? Give me the next few lines. All you can what? Ask or think about. He doesn't need you to think about everything. He tells Solomon, that which you did not ask for, I will give you. Prayer is not how you control your life. We'll see as we go on. Prayer is actually how you relinquish control of your life. It's not as if you make up your mind what your life is supposed to be like. And then you give it to him and say, Oga, work it out. Sorry, money, you see it. You see it. Let me tell you the truth. What God wants to do for you, you have never seen it. Eyes have not seen it. Ears have not heard it. It has not even entered into the heart of most people. What God has prepared for you. Best example in scripture is Adam. God gave him a wife. There was no wife before then. He didn't know the concept of a wife. God told him what he needed and gave him what he needed. One of the things you'll find out in life is that Christianity is a life of discoveries. You will live in houses you did not build. Bear that in mind. That is, you will get into places you did not know existed until God took you inside there. There are things you could not have dreamt of. Not only because it may be difficult for you to conceive. You don't even have the time. Some of this conceiving thing is joblessness. If you are really busy. Ah, you'll be so... And listen, there's a principle about Christianity I found out. God gives you a job for today. He says, use your imagination on that job. Where I'm taking you to tomorrow, you don't know. People have seen with okay, you need a 25-year plan. I said, for God, you don't know him. You don't know him. What he does is that he says, hey, salvation unto the day is what? The evil thereof. So, each life is compartmentalized into days. So, what day am I in right now? You find, once you find that day, exercise yourself in that day. Don't worry yourself about tomorrow. You know what he said? Tomorrow will take care of itself. 
prove yourself faithful in today. And if people would understand it, that it is the depth or the degree of faithfulness you showed in today that he uses to determine whether you are worthy or how much, how worthy you are. For example, he says, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Your midnight, that one said to him, has made ten more. He said, now be in charge of what? Ten cities. You can handle ten cities. And that one said five. He said, be in charge of five. But the destiny was to be in charge of cities. So how faithful you are today decides how many cities you will be in charge of later. You don't have to dream of the cities. You didn't even know he was coming to put you in charge of what? Cities. Prayer is not the method by which we decide our future. We now give God the plan. Stamp it. Oh, Baba, begin to stand further. Make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. In the name. And God is looking at it. This is a useless plan. And God is looking at the plan. This plan is useless. This will God said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is what you're telling me to do. In a few years' time, it will be obsolete. Nobody will need it again. Today I was told to do something. You know, he said, please, can, can I have them in the office get, get this book? I said, no problem. I will talk to the printer. I said, like, how many? But then they told me the quantity. I said, hey, wait. That will last like 10 years. They said, yes. I said, in 10 years, we won't be writing this in books. I said, what do you mean? I said, we'll be writing this. I said, do you realize how the world is going? Never heard of paperless society. I said, hey, hey, hey. I, I will buy you books. Record books that will last 10 years. I looked at them. They said, sir, the most important thing. He said, hard record. I said, I'm surrounded by bush people. <laughs> That's why I told it to in my office. I said, I'm surrounded by bush men. He said, you know, you know, computer can just crash. I said, I look at them. You've never heard of cloud computing? What is up with you? I'm looking at them like, what? Where I'm going is that some of the books, they say, God accumulate books for me. God say, ah. In five years' time, nobody will need all these books. Nobody will need these books. So we write plans and say, Lord, make it come to pass. God is looking like, no, now you don't get it. You remember your guy, our bro? Small story about my life and his friend. When I was coming to Enugu, they said, Enugu is where, sorry, Lagos is where the action is. And I'm looking at them like, well, God, sorry, just by the way. When God, you know, I realized why they didn't react like many people reacted to this election. One brother called me and said, Pastor Bank, you took the vex. Yeah, on the matter, something led to it. And I thanked him for the call. And, you know, I took correction. He said, if you keep on getting angry like this, he said, what it means is that you are discountenancing the amount of work God has done in your life. You say, you think everybody understands what you understand? He hit me. He said, no, so relax. People are ignorant. Better get used to it. I said, okay. I said, bro, I go cool down. No worries. He reminded me of my life. He said, remember those days that you would listen to message morning, afternoon, and night? You go read book, read book. He said, how many people think you have that kind of time? So you want all of them to react the way you react to things, all the understanding you have. I said, okay, sir. God bless you, sir. Yeah, that's what I told him. I really appreciated it. Because I realized that many people, what this election, the way they were reacting, I now realize why they didn't react the way they react. What they were afraid of, I'm not afraid of it. They don't understand how God works. 
So I would be getting angry. What is wrong with you people? From the beginning, I kept on shouting, this is not the way they do this. Thing. No, no. I said, no. You know, you heard me say it. I said, you don't understand. God says, when I want to do something, I call a bread of prey from the east. And a man of my purpose from a distant country that God will recruit Gentiles to free his people. He says, strangers will build your walls. You understand? I so understood that. I couldn't understand the panic of Christians. And I said, why don't you guys just focus on your assignment and watch God walk? But he said, no. We must help God. Oh. At the end of the day, I just got tired. I just knew what God would do to them. No, let me tell you what God would do to you as a person. When he loves you, he will frustrate you until you just say, God, I need to do it again. Go and read Demo Shakarian's book, Happiest People on Earth. I keep on telling the story of that book. Demo Shakarian used all the energy he had to get things done. So the Holy Spirit was looking at him like this. You call everybody, gather money. The Holy Spirit was looking at him like this. And finally, he told his wife, his most loyal supporter said to him, This thing we are doing is not worth a dime. So I wouldn't give $10 for all these things we are doing. If things don't change by next week, count me out too. No, let me explain what I'm saying. Your wife cannot leave you, alright? So let's assume you and your wife are one. Then this guy is the most loyal individual in his life. And that one just told him that I'm going to. That was when he knew that God didn't call him. And this vision is not of God. So he gave it up. As soon as he did, the Lord said, thank you. Give me my thing. Yeah, the Lord took it. And by the next day, the man that said, I'm leaving, sent him $1,000. I thought he told him $10,000. The same person gave $1,000. Gave him the press to use. Phone calls started coming in. He now saw God moving the thing by, by himself. He now became a spectator. People were now organizing things and just okay, you come along. You know, he saw things move. And God takes us to that. If you are too strong, ah, God will do that one to you. See, let me tell you, if you are strong, very strong, you're a hard-working, strong person, confess your sin of hard work every day. When you kneel down, say, Lord, you know I'm very strong. I can walk for two days without sleeping. Have mercy on me. You have to say, Lord, you know I'm very intelligent. If I read something one time like that, I remember everything. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. This kind of retentive memory is a problem. I will soon be remembering bad things. I'm telling you, carry all your strengths and confess them away. Say, God, you know, my father is very rich. All my uncles are multi-millionaires. I have a British passport, an American passport, Nigerian passport, and a Hungarian passport. Only me. But I want to apologize for having such a rich father. I want to, for you to forgive me of my sins for having rich uncles. For having a first class from university. Have mercy on me. You need to, I know what I'm telling you. Because if you don't do it easily, he will do it to you by force. He will put you in a place where everything will fail you. You will look at your first class certificate. They will have to hold you from throwing it into the fire. You want to say, what is this thing doing for me now? Listen, prayer is not the place in which we pack all our ideas and say, God, stamp it. No, when we come to prayer, is to come and lay ourselves down before him. 
I like the way he said it. You cast your burdens upon the Lord. Paul said that, don't have any anxiety about anything. Or be careful for nothing. Right to the Philippians. In everything, let, he said, he said, in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made unto God. And I like the, I like the way he said the next line. He said, what will happen is that what? The peace of God that passes all understanding. That tells me that God is not just going to answer those requests exactly the way you made them. I have found out. The most important thing God does is to give you peace. And then solve your problems the way he sees fit. That he thinks is best. Not to do exactly what you asked. When you come to give God your request, it's actually to hand them over to him. Not say you must do it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It is not you must do it. It's more, more of like, this thing is a burden. So I remove what? The burden. Lord, this neck, they pain your guy. Like that, there's one prayer, you know, one guy did a video of it, very beautiful. He said, Lord, your boys, did they believe? I love that line of it. He said, Lord, I'm believing you. I can't carry body. Remove it, Lord. You take. Now, you know what I'm saying, so? Because what we do a lot of times is that when we come to prayer, we have told God how he's going to solve the problem. I'm trying to discipline myself, but I can't help me, Lord. Can I help myself? Shall I help myself or just flow? <laughs> the Lord knows I've made up my mind to flow, so let me just flow. <laughs> you know, it's like this last lecture there. Of course, we say it ahead of time. You know why prophets were confused? You saw all kinds of prophecies. Okay, how many different prophecies in how many directions did you see or hear? And you want to know the truth? Most of those prophets, God told them nothing. And we knew, it's not as if we didn't discover it later. We just, we just knew, as they are prophesying, you just look and say, there's one prophet I told, I, I sent a comment on his um, prophecy online. I said, bro, delete this video. Yeah, I wrote it to him. You know, did the video for YouTube. That's how I broadcast to people. I said, I gave him a few lines. I said, my recommendation, delete this video. I said, I told him, I said, you are misinterpreting prophecy. And this is a, somebody who I believe to be a credible prophet. Yet I said, remove this video. It's not going to help anybody. There's what is called defilement of spirit. Is a problem why a lot of prophets were prophesying all kinds of things. The spirits have been defiled by things they see, things they hear, the opinion of people around. Now listen to this, the fears of people around. So no matter what God wants to say, Jesus said, there are things I want to tell you. But you can't bear them now. I've seen prophets prophesy, come back, and say, that's not what I meant. And I'm laughing, I said, no. What happened is that you gave a prophecy. Then when it's anointing come down from your face, you heard your own prophecy. Heard interpretation, and you did not like it. So you got up there and said, no, that's not what I meant. I've seen it again and again. What happened is that a lot of people, they make up their minds, this is how God will solve this problem. And this is how it's going to do. You know, there's something they used to say, say this election is now or never. I said, what can, who's lying that lie to you? Four years ago, another one. I said, there will be another election in four years. You know, there are things people say, I say, if you go like that, you'll be seeing strange visions. Spiritual things, you have to be very, very careful. That's why, please, I wrote the book, Guided by the Spirit. Please, I'm begging you if you have not read it. Of course, if you are here, you've not read it, you know how wicked you are, all right? 
Those who have not heard me say it before, I'm begging you now. Please go and read the book. Guided by the Spirit. Because, you see, in need I explain the fact that the ability to hear God is not what we need as Christians. I've, I've seen a lot of teachings are how to hear God. People will be doing experiments. People will do experiments how to hear God. They cross their leg. They keep quiet. They close their ears. No, they don't close their ears. Or they close their eyes. They now say they want to clear their mind. I don't think you have a human mind. Human mind is unclearable. I don't know about you. Please, if you can clear your mind, put up your hand. No, be honest. If you think you can, then you come at the end of the day and show me how you clear your mind. Human, when, when they say nature abhors a vacuum, you're talking about the human mind. Human mind must think something. Clear it. It's not clearable. In fact, to, for you to clear it, you have to be said, I'm clearing you, I'm clearing you, I'm clearing you. <laughs> you will fill it with clearing. Yeah. Then about the human mind. The only thing you can do to the human mind is replace the content. That's all. So, look, just how do you replace it? It's not, you can't just determine, you know, right now, my mind. I was thinking politics, now I want to think church. It doesn't work. You know what the mind will do? Like, you have like 15 seconds. You fill it with church. You see people worshiping. Nathan Abbas is in front. Oh, we've come to worship. You begin Nathan Abbas. And then, as he's beginning to worship, as the pastor comes up, he will tell you this APC and this PDP, you will have been back into politics for another five minutes before you realize it. Say, no, no, no. I want to clear my mind. I want to clear my mind. I'm not thinking politics. I'm thinking church. Then you leave Nathan Abbas's ministry place. You go to, okay, Kingdom World Ministries. You know, Pastor Kimothy is leading prayer. Oh, you pray now. They say, pray. And you begin praying along with him. And as we going to pray, this country, he said, yes, we must get in now. Now or never. Before you know what's happening, you are back to political thinking. The only way you can change what your mind is thinking about is what you fill it with on a regular basis. If you fill it with political talk all the time, at night, the mind will wake you up and say, Bruce, let's talk. What do you think of what SDP and AAC are doing? Though they are minor parties, you will start talking to yourself. You will be getting angry. If you want to fill it with good thoughts, get involved with good things. I hope you get my point. It's simple. Carry a message and listen to it. You go online, think of what data is relatively cheap these days. You go online, look for some good messages, play them. As this series I stumbled into, I didn't even know I was the one behind. I wanted to share with people. They say, ah, even my children were saying that this one. We watched it like two years ago now. That is, now you see them. That Bible, there's one Bible, animated Bible series. Anytime I say, I always download it to my phone. Get things like that. There's a way they narrate it. Very beautiful. I first stumbled to the one on Ecclesiastes. Beautiful. Just watch like ten of it in one after the other. When you do that, that's what will fill your mind. I've been telling Christians who watch Big Brother. See, that is how to corrupt your mind. And Satan knows. One day, one cable, you know who, they call me and say, they have an offer for me. I say, give it to your neighbor. I hung the phone on the guy. Leave me, my friend. Don't give me any offer. You think it's money I don't have that I'm not paying you people. I have the money to pay you. I refuse to pay. Why? Because when I pay, I will go and sit down there and be switching channels. And the more you switch channels, the smaller your brain becomes. It's small by small. <laughs> your brain is shrinking regularly. Feel your... That, if you want to... <laughs> your mind. 
What you need to do with your mind is feel it habitually, is what you feel it with that you'll be thinking. I hope I get my point. Is what you feel it with that we think. People say, hey, just sit down like this and just clear your mind. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the mind is not clearable. You can only replace what it is thinking. If you decide to memorize the whole psalm, the mind will be playing psalm for you. I, I, I hope you get my point. Yes. The mind will play psalms for you. Now, one, now I want you to understand something here. People think that it is how to hear God you need to practice. No. Believe me, now, for information, many people who want to hear some of those teachings, they think that because you don't know them. I heard that teaching, I'm not this is not supposed to be a bragging point. I heard that teaching at least 32 years ago. Nothing less than 32 years ago. And I practiced it too. Not just hearing teaching, and things where we try. All the things we heard, confusion. We're getting revelation that God did not give. Because if you stand in one place long enough, say, I must get revelation, you will get. But you can't force God to give it. So after I'd gone there for a long time, God said, this boy must get revelation. They said, so say, find revelation for him now. One spirit will say, I will go and be a revelatory spirit in his eyes and tell him things that will never happen. And God will say, go and succeed. Yes, you now go there. One spirit will come and tell you that between now and six weeks' time, there's going to be a discombobulation of the stratosphere. Then you go and tell him, hey, hey, hey. Say, what does it mean? Then you just realize you don't even know the meaning. Let me define revelation. What I have found out a Christian needs is not how to hear God, it's how to obey God. What do you mean by obey God? Scripture. When I say love your neighbor as yourself, find out what does it mean. Find out what it means. When I say love you, how do I obey that? Don't be anxious about anything. How do I obey that? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. How do I obey that? I hope that's one of the most difficult commandments in scripture. Don't you think so? Sun shouldn't go down on your anger. What if the angering thing is still there? So you know the trick you use? You start the anger at 6 p.m. <laughs> After the sun has gone down. Since so I have 24 hours. But the point I'm making is that how do you obey is what should be paramount in your mind. Not how to hear. Because if you have an obedient heart, God will easily reveal himself to you. In the book I explained, there are defilements of flesh and spirit. Remove those defilements. That's what we're talking about. Remove the, for example, if you, listen, listen, listen. If you have fear in your heart, hmm, you can let me think to you. You can never hear God clearly. If fear is with you, there's nothing God wants to say to you, you will hear it clearly. Now, it doesn't mean you won't hear God. It just will not be clear. I don't believe, you know, many times people share revelations with me, they don't impress me. And you say, Pastor Banky, why now? How come you're not impressed by revelation? Because I have, I know revelations, they are hardly clear. And most times people repeat them to you. They are repeating what they interpreted. Sometimes from revelations that God did not give interpretation concern. And it's from scripture understood that. What do I mean by that? God came. I'm the Lord thy God. Walk before me and be perfect. Told Abraham. Told his descendants. And descendants came one day. Anything God says we should do, we should do it. 
we will do it. So God said, in the beginning, I made them male and female. For this cause, a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. And whatever God has joined together, no one should be put asunder. Moses, they told Moses, warn yourself. Moses stopped that nonsense. Now, they didn't say physically, but their spirit said it. So they went to Moses and said, what do we do when our wives are behaving like this? Moses went to God. God said what I just told you. But between what is called the will of God and the ears of the people, it was rearranged. So the commandment Moses gave them was that you will give her a certificate of divorce and let her go. So the God said not say that to him. Jesus said, in the beginning it was not so. But because of the hardness of your heart, your revelation is all, only as accurate as the condition of your heart. Your revelation is only as accurate as the condition of your heart. So that is why I'm not excited because of the revelation. No, no, no. I said, let us keep you know, working on our hearts. Let's keep on building things in our hearts as truth and cleansing every defilement. So if you have fear in your heart, God doesn't want to tell you what to do. He wants you to remove that fear. And many times when you remove the fear, what you do will be clear. Please go and read the book. Guided by the Spirit, I explain different things that pollute the heart. Bitterness pollutes the heart. Sometimes the way people behave, I say, people say, covetousness of God pollutes the heart. What, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm going to pray. When you go and pray, it's not God what you like to do. It's God, remove covetousness from my heart. Because there are prayer points, you, there are times you go to prayer, eh? And God says that you have come is a sin. So what do you mean? I will explain. Balaam and Balak. Balak said, come and curse these people for me. Balaam said, whatever God says is what I will do. I can't go where it doesn't say I should go. I cannot say where it doesn't say I should say. Say good. Bye-bye. They left. They went to Balak, the messengers. He refused to come. Why? He said, well, he said leave that and every man has a price. That's what Balak said. Send men more honorable than the ones that went first time. Double the reward. They got there. The other guys offered you a million dollars. Balak said, for leaving your house is two million dollars. For crossing them is five million dollars. Balak looked and said, a tight on that is 700,000. God wouldn't mind. So he went back to pray. That coming back was a sin. Because the only reason he came back was that the Bible says he loved the wages of unrighteousness. That's all. That's only. Ah, he looks seven million dollars. He said, "No, God must. Um, let's go and go understand. Because if I tighten this, and I give small fruit, not even if not the first fruit, like one man said, where is he? Okay, one man came to their church to preach. The man has my opinion of, on political issues, so it was explained to the church that he cannot pray for a candidate to win." That he can only support, you know, preach righteousness. This is Nabuja and all of that, you know. So he was preaching that to the church. Then one big politician entered the church and said, "My my candidate is a chairman of a party. Is running for governor in this particular state. We have election, one of these off-season elections. So I wanted to pray that the man will win." He said, ah, "Sir, you know I cannot pray like that because you know the will of God, you know the plan of God. We never can tell." As I was speaking. His Balamic prophetic accuracy. The man opened his bag and brought out, was it ten or twenty thousand dollars, and said, "This is my seed." The man looked at him. He took him by the hand and said, "Let's go to the altar." 
and raised the altar and began to prophesy. Your candidate, I see him on the throne. As I began to pray, and the Lord carried me, like they say in worry. The Lord carried me. And I saw a man swimming against the tide. And the center of the water was a huge throne. Yes, it's going to be rough, but he will make it. <laughs> prophecy begin jam prophecy. Why? Because of $10,000. You see why God is keep people? This was a man. But that guy had a mental problem. You know why? Yeah, spiritual mental problem. This is what I mean. Because he came to brag on it to show how your seed can change the mind of God. Yeah. He was the one preaching, saying what the seed did to him. So today you are going to plant a seed and change God's mind. Yeah, that's what he was preaching. That's what he was preaching. Which was a lie. He didn't read the scriptures well. He would have known that that was what killed Bala eventually. So that's why by one there are prayers you will bring to God. God says, ah, wait, 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 wait. Why are we discussing this matter? Why are we discussing this matter? I told you one day somebody invited me for something. And I was thinking, the person was pressuring me, pressure, pressure. I said, let me think. I knew all the reasons why I would not accept the invitation. It was clear. All right? Not bad. No, it's not a bad thing. It just didn't fit the pattern of life I lived as a preacher of the gospel. It was, that's not how I used my time, ministry-wise. So I said, but, but the pressure was much. So I was thinking, I said, let me think about it. Now I just pray. Father God, what do I do? What do I do? So my wife was with me. I said, so what do you think? He said, all this preaching, he said, all this thinking you are thinking. If it was a poor person that asked you for this, are you going to think about it? What she said, he said, because the person talking to me is a woman. He said, if, it's a, if this was a poor pastor's wife that made this call, are you going to be thinking like this? The moment she said it, I had to pray, Lord, forgive me. Have mercy upon me, defilement of spirit. After that day, I grew some more. That day, I don't know that one now, you know. It has been added to my my armamentarium of spiritual reason. Come on, thank you. (laughs) So now, before you land, I don't tell you, leave me. I don't tell you, leave me. The moment my wife said that, it hit me. I said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. That this prayer was just because of the caliber of the person and the people around that were inviting me. Even though I would never have asked anybody for a dime. God sees my heart. Yet, I was, you know, it's just, it's just there. So God let me see that it is there. And I said, may I not pray like Balaam? So that's what I mean. These defilements are the things we remove. If there's fear in your heart, you will hear God wrongly. If there's covetousness in your heart, you will hear God wrongly. You will. Those are the things I will call the defilement. So please, I'm begging you again. I, that's not my teaching for today. We are teaching on prayer. But go and read how to um, guided by the Spirit. If you finish reading that book, you realize all this one, I learn how to hear God. I say, listen, listen. I tell people, God can shout. Have you heard this before? That God, you know, he speaks in his small If you're not very quiet, Holy Spirit is a gentleman. You've heard that thing before? Holy Spirit is a gentleman. 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 Doesn't force you to do anything. I say, which Holy Spirit? Say, so it speaks a quiet voice. I said, the Bible says his voice is like the sound of many waters. Is that how quietness is in your neighborhood? Waterfall, ocean, you know, waves crashing. That's how his voice is like. Don't tell me he speaks in quiet voice. He can shout. The only thing that even if he shouts louder than that, there's no way that his voice is not heard. Everything is speaking of his glory, but unbelievers don't hear it. 
So the issue is not how quiet you have to be. No. The issue is that is your heart believing? Is your heart pure enough to hear his voice? That's the issue. It's not let me make sure that. No, 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 no. Remove all defilement. Remove all the impurities. When you are like that, if God has to use force to make you go in the right direction, he will. God does not always talk. He leads. There's a difference. What do I mean? There are five doors. You are a good son, a good child of God. Good girl to the Lord. That's what you are. You want to do his will. You will go there, lock four doors. You say there are five doors. And you go pass through them now. Say, when you try, 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 now only one open. How many doors remain? That's when you pass through now. He does that. He will close doors. Say, close this door. Close this door. Close. Why? My daughter is coming. This one is the door to perdition. This one is the door to frustration. This one is the door to confusion. This one is the door to go back. Said <laughs> so the only door that goes forward into her destiny is this one. Lock all other doors. As when you get there, say, how did you find your destiny? That was the only road. See, all the temptations of life, I didn't see them. It's not as if they were not there. But God arranged your life such that you had no choice each time but to pick the right door. He does that. He does that to the yielded heart, the prepared heart, the heart that's constantly being cleansed of all defilement. Many times, people say, I don't have a job yet. You know why you don't have a job? Let me quickly tell you before I get back to my message. It is because you have made up your mind this is the kind of job you want. So God said there's no problem. First year, he will give you the kind of job he has for you. You won't take it. Why? It's not the type of job you want. No problem. He's not going to be angry with you. That first year, you will eat. The next year, he will cut down the food, cut down the access to mobile phone. You make sure you are broke. Halfway to the second year, you will not try to get another job. You'll be so hungry. You'll be so broke that you will not hear scripture. You know, scripture starts sounding differently. When you have eaten, they have a different sound. When you are hungry, you now hear whatever a man finds to do, whatever your hands find to do, do it all your might. Then you now go out in the morning. The job you wanted to take two years ago, they will offer you again. Now you will take it because of hunger. Because it's a job of righteousness. You know what I mean? They're not say come and kill somebody. They're not say come and traffic Igbo. Are you getting my point? They, didn't say, they just say, come and walk. And it's diligent, it's good, clean, righteous work. Just that like you don't like it. Then you start doing it. At the end of the first month, your hunger will go down. Second month, you will change your food. Third month, your life is balancing small, small. You too, you can now give. When they say, we have a special offering, you will get up and drop something. Five years later, on that same job, you will have discovered your destiny. You will now offer you the kind of job you want at the beginning. And I said, no, 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 I found my place in life. You know? I know where I'm working right now. The kind of impact I'm making. You know, you'll be speaking English. That's it. It's not your fault. <laughs> I have led you my own way. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, I led you my own way. I use hunger to give you, you know, hunger and one option. <laughs> Two of them combined and told you what to do. That's why Jesus said, when you are persecuted in this city, yeah, sometimes persecution will just move you to the right place. People are always waiting for God. It doesn't always. It uses all kinds of methods to get us to where we are supposed to be. As long as our hearts are right before Him, never forget that the Lord is good. Now let's get back into this message. You know, like we've been trying to get there for a while. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, let me introduce it. What I want to teach today. All right. 
So we come to God on the basis of the blood of Jesus. But when we come, what do we come to do? That's why I went to all of that. That we don't come with our plans and God, approve, approve, approve. No. I'll go through the things we come to do. But let me start by saying this. This is what we're going to start with. I realized just thinking about it. This is a particular scripture. It's a beautiful one. I hope I wrote it down. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Please follow me. This is very important. Prayer is our God. I'm happy I'm even doing this study because as we're going through it, I'm learning some things myself. Prayer is not to get our will done. What did I say? Prayer is that his will might be done in our lives, first of all, and on the earth. A lot of people think, please go and read my article. He's not like other gods. He's not like other gods. Other gods, please think about it well. Because what's happening is that many people are worshipping Christ like they worship other gods. You know, Ogun, I'm from Western Nigeria, so I'll use the gods they have on their side. I know them a bit well. Ogun, he doesn't care. He doesn't discuss whether you take your neighbor's wife or you don't. Do you know that? Ogun, God of Iron, he doesn't discuss it all. He doesn't have instructions. He doesn't have, the only taboos I know Ogun has are taboos of crazy people. What do I mean? The man used to drink a lot. He was a man that was canonized. And because he used to drink a lot, they said, the, the, um, the legend has it, all right? Folktale, I don't know whether it really happened. That one day he was traveling, and then he saw a calab, not a calabash, a god, you know, G O U R D, a container of palm wine. He was famished, he was thirsty, and he saw that palm wine container. So he went there and took it to drink. As he picked it up, he found that it was empty. So that disappointment, in the days of Jesus, when Jesus was disappointed, what did he do? He caused a tree. Ogun killed the man and his wife who owned it. He took his sword and slaughtered them. So when they began to worship him, part of the thing in that district, that whole area, is that to prevent the wrath of Ogun, empty, empty jars of wine are always kept on their side. Now, Please, I like to give people Bible, all right, to understand something. When Israel came out of the out of Egypt into the Promised Land, one of the things God told them, He didn't say this, but I want to use it to illustrate it. He will say, "Thou shalt not put an empty jar of palm wine on his side." You and I won't know why. I don't know why I get my point. Yeah, God used to do that. That's why I said, when you cut your hair, you don't trim the edges. He had instructions like you don't boil a kid, that is a baby, a, a baby goat, in the mother's milk. If you think about it naturally, what, does, what, what is the big deal about that? They were things that showed their superstition and their fear of other gods. So God commanded against the fear of other gods. So God will have commanded a Yoruba man that gives his life to Christ, don't ever put your empty calabash on his side. You say, why? Because God wants to end the fear of Ogun in your life. So you just see that the Christians, empty containers, standing straight. Why? They dare Ogun to do anything. And nothing will happen to them. God wants to just use their life to show. I am superior to Ogun. Apart from me, there is no other God. Now please, just that's an aside. So, people have, you know, their taboos, stuff like that, that people obeyed. 
But there was no demand of righteousness in the lives of the people by any of the gods. Just bring my sacrifices and obey my taboos. And why do we do it? We want to get something from them. We are going to war. You offer sacrifices to Ogun. It's harvest time. Oh, we want to go and plant. Oh, yeah, has our own. All kinds of gods, all right, that you receive, you give offerings to so that they will help you. They say they go and intercede with Golodumari on your behalf, whatever it is. The idea is that they will help you. But you know the truth? They don't care really about your personal life. So we took that principle of worship to Christ Jesus. And we start saying, give him an offering. Pay your tithes. Do this, why? So he can bless you. Then when you ask, we want to ask him for something. Wrap it, you know, the way churches do it. For your information, I like to, so that you will not be afraid. So you will not be afraid to put your calabash on the side, okay? They say, put the offering in an envelope and put your prayer point inside. Don't mind anybody. It's a money-raising scheme. Now scam. What do you call them? Scam. Scam. It's a scam. I told the story once in a church where I used to attend. They said that you help raise money for something. At the bottom, of the, I, did, I, I didn't have a problem. With, no, listen, I don't have a problem with raising money. You may say, but you don't do it. Well, it's not necessary, but it's not the sin. If you want to do something, I can say, brethren, please, we need five million naira to do this. As God blesses you, please, over the next one month, please, I want the five million complete. The only thing I will not do is to say, come and stand in front. I won't do that. But I can keep on reminding you. The Bible says that we must learn how to provoke one another unto love and good works. I can use that to keep reminding you. Nothing wrong with that. But I will not lie. And I will not promise God, God will not promise. I will not say God says once we raise this five million, there will be five million hallelujahs running from the heavens and each hallelujah is going to create a jeep. I will not say that. Okay? Nothing wrong with raising money. So that day I just finished the church. So as I told everybody, at the bottom of it, they say, write prayer point. I told everybody, please, look at the paper they gave you to write the pledge. What is written at the bottom? They say prayer point. I said, don't write anything there. Nobody's planning to pray for you. And was I laughing. I said, what are you laughing? I said, can you see how long the paper is? That small portion, just of your prayer. I said, this paper is not for prayer. It's to collect money. If you want prayer, you know where to go. It's part of our idolatry. That we think we have to bring a sacrifice so we can reap something from him. It's why we keep on preaching give so you can get. The key to receiving is asking. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask and you don't receive, it's because you ask wrongly. And what they call wrongly? Lustful asking. Fleshly asking. You want to spend upon your loss. You are competing with your neighbor. That's why it doesn't answer you. Giving for us is a responsibility. It's about being faithful. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. So, look, he's not like other gods. So we don't give to him. You know, we don't worship him the way we worship Ogun and Obatala and all those other Madioha and Ko. We don't. When we come to him, he makes demands of righteousness. He has just one aim in your life and mine. Just one. That will become conformed to the image of the Son. Do you hear what I said? Yes. The aim is that you and I will become conformed to the image of the Son. So when we pray, that is the primary assignment. Nobody is successful in prayer if he's not changed by it. No matter the results you get, 
You are not successful in prayer if you are not being changed by it. Prayer is supposed to transform you. Make you more like Christ Jesus. It's supposed to make you more patient. It's supposed to make you more dependent on God and less on your own energy. You go and read the life of Abraham. We studied it that time. Okay? When we talk, when we study the life of Abraham. Okay. Um, when we're talking about, um, oh, one of our school of Bible exegesis. We explained it. One of the things you see about Abraham is that he will get into difficulty. God will deliver him and then he will call upon the name of the Lord. That is, through his difficulties, he discovered God. I hope you're getting my point. What prayer does, okay, that's what we're talking about. When we come to prayer, what are we trying to achieve? It's not a place in which we get our will done. Prayer is the way by which we get his will done. That is why Jesus taught us to pray like this. Our Father, we'll get to it in a moment, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next line, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is written in heaven. The two of them go together, thy kingdom and thy will. That is the primary thing about prayer. Let's bear it in mind. So when I come to prayer, it's not just give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. No. The aim about prayer is God. That which you have said in heaven must be established on the earth. That which must, you have spoken in heaven must be established in my life. But when you come to him, I said we should open somewhere, right? Yes, it's a particular scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 16, right? Yes, okay, now first you may ask, you will be wondering, why am I reading this? But you get the answer in a moment. In verse... Um, 16, three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the feast of unleavened bread, and at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of boots. If you want that, the common English that we use for that, the feast of tabernacles, all right? He said, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Now, that's what I want to understand. He said, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Now, let's stop here. First, you are wondering, why am I reading this when it comes to prayer? You know what I found out? You don't appear before God without a sacrifice in your hands. Yes. Some people say, Pastor Van, so you believe that thing? I do. Is the interpretation of sacrifice that's different. I found out, God says, a son honors his father. He said, if I'm a father, where's my honor? And he was writing that to priests. That's in Malachi chapter 1. Quickly go over there. Now, please listen to this. First part I want to make along that line. Number one thing we do in prayer is to offer God a sacrifice, which is what is called worship. Worship is offering to God his sacrifices. Sacrifices due to his name. You see what I'm saying in a moment. If you go to Malachi chapter 1, look at what the Lord is saying there. He said in verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? Notice it. You are presented, presenting what? Defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. How? You present the blind for sacrifice. Is that not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Will he be pleased with you? 
Or will he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. Let me stop here. Now, if you notice that priests, the primary assignment of priests was what? Offer sacrifices. And you know what Jesus did for us? Revelation chapter 1. He made us a kingdom of priests unto his father. Prayer is the time we come to offer sacrifices to God. The first thing we do when we come to prayer is to offer God a sacrifice. We never come empty-handed. That is what is called worship. Worship is to offer God his sacrifices. So when you come to prayer, first thing you do is offer sacrifice. And what kind of sacrifice, you will ask me. It's simple. There are two or three things. Let, Let me not count. Let me just mention them. Number one, you offer a sacrifice of praise. Praise comes in two categories. There's praise in prayer, which is a sacrifice of God. And number two, there's praise, which is a declaration of the glory of God. For example, if I stand on the road and say, my God is good. That's not prayer. Is it prayer? It's a testimony. But that's the praise of God. If I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I'm telling you. He makes me light and green. It's not prayer. I'm declaring something. I'm giving a testimony of God's goodness in my life. It's praise. That's a form of praise. But it's a form of praise that is called a sacrifice of praise. So anytime you come to God, listen to me. You are approaching the God of heaven. You are approaching the God of the universe. You know what I found out? If you are very conscious of his presence, first, it affects your, your posture. Yes, it affects your posture. You actually are coming to offer him something. Three things you offer. Number one, praise. Number two, thanksgiving. And number three, yourself. So I found out three forms of prayer. The prayer of praise, prayer of thanksgiving, and the prayer of consecration, they are all forms of worship. And every time you come to prayer, people of God, you offer them to him first. You don't come into his presence empty-handed. You, come, you don't come grumbling. You don't come complaining. That's why many people are so angry. <laughs> we God's going to Nigeria. You know what I found out? They don't offer God the sacrifice of praise. They don't. They don't. They don't offer him the sacrifice of thanksgiving. You go to scriptures. These are biblical New Testament offerings that we give to God. That's why Jesus started when you want to pray. What's the first thing you do? You offer him praise. You don't come to him empty-handed. Our Father who art in heaven. Next line. Hallowed be your name. It hits me. So when you are coming to a you understand that you are coming to do your job as a priest. A priest brings sacrifices. As there was one movie I saw long ago now, please. Don't ask me the name of the movie, but I just like some scenes in the movie. Just say it. This guy came to see. Well, someone was meditating on this, that, that thing came to my mind. He came to see the gods. As he approached, you know the first thing they asked him? What do you offer? I said, it's a spiritual principle. He said, what do you offer? If you go and check it, when Balaam wanted to talk to God, he told Balak, prepare for me seven altars. Offer for me there, or, or, how many bulls? Seven bulls and seven rams. He kept on doing that. You know what I found out? When God told Job to pray for his friends, exactly what he brought. It hit me. You don't come to God without an offering. You don't come to God empty-handed. Where we made a mistake as Christians was that we turned that offering to what? Money. Then I said you don't come to church without money. No. It's a place of prayer. You don't go to the place of prayer without worship and offering. What am I trying to say? When you go to prayer, first thing you do is to offer God praise and 
Thanksgiving. It's important. You must, and you know the truth? When you, <laughs> I remember once I wanted to pray. Something came up. I was working that day. I said, Lord, we need to settle this matter. I was about to get confused about something. And I took time out as I was taking a stroll that day. Now, I'm using new words now. To offer God his sacrifices. That day I started with thanksgiving. I gave the Lord thanks for this. I gave him thanks for that. I quoted scriptures. I thanked him for his word that he has taught me. And by the time I finished, you know what I said to him? I said, Lord, I'm sorry to have bothered you. The prayer point no longer exists. I remember I was walking, listen, to let you know I know what I'm talking about. I was going to Ilupeju from Idi Araba. So I go to the back gate of Luz. It's, this happened as I left the back gate. I was walking down that road to Mushin to get to the Mushin bus stop. After work, I just kept on talking. As I was talking, I got to a particular point. When I finished all the Thanksgiving, the prayer point had vanished. And I said to the Lord, I'm sorry to have bothered you. The prayer point is no longer important. I just gave thanks for a few minutes. I was quoting scriptures. I'm thanking you for this, thanking you for that. When I finished the Thanksgiving, I said, why are we talking about this? There's nothing to worry about. I closed the prayer and continued going home. I was walking on the road. What am I saying to you today? Don't come to God without his worship, without his sacrifices. That's, what you, that's the first thing we come to prayer to do. It is to offer to him the sacrifice that is due to him. And there are three things I just counted. Number one, praise. praise. Number two, thanksgiving. Then number three, yourself. yourself. You consecrate yourself. You must give God every day. Yours I am, and yours I want to be. Your will I will do in this life. That's worship. You are worshiping God by saying that. You've given thanks. You've praised him. What is praise? Let me just tell you what praise is. Praise is just is a perfect description of Okay, let me use this word perfect. It's a description of who God is that you understand. My father. Ah, that's praise. Gwari is not my father. Nigeria is not my father. My father, really father, is not my father. You know the meaning of father? Source of life. Source of life. My source of life. Oh, let me tell you what praise does. Praise shuts everybody else down. I hope you're getting my point. Oh, there are names like my high tower. My fortress, my defender. Oh, no, that is shutting everybody else down. My supplier, the Lord, my shepherd. See, all the confusion you saw in the body of Christ recently, I said boldly again. You know, you know we sing songs, we don't really worship God. Oh, we can sing songs. We don't have hearts of worship. Many of our songs are in our bribery. See, let's quickly do it so we can get to the main thing. We just want to enter his court with thanksgiving. Quickly enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Someone will quickly enter like that. They will cannot quickly do the main thing. The main thing is the worship. The main thing is to offer him the sacrifice. That's why you are a priest. You are not a priest if you are not offering sacrifices. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. See, let me tell you what the major confusion we had in recent all these months I heard it, prophet. <laughs> I think they should ban prophet sign by election in Nigeria. The church should ban it too. The world won't ban it for us. The church just say, hey, hey, wait, this nobody look. You know, a lot of those prophecies know what they were. Who can tell what they were? Campaign. Now, spiritualized campaign. People discuss it. You were campaigning too? <laughs> you tried that one, eh? We'll put you out of ministry. <laughs> yeah, that was what it was. 
People were seeing all kinds of visions. They will see vision, then they will come and tell the whole church. And the church will say, Pastor saw, <laughs> and God, do. God is looking at everybody. Sometimes he laughs, sometimes he's angry. He that sits in heaven shall what? He laughing at us. You know what I found out? If we had praised God well, I don't know what would have happened. I'm not saying what, but one thing is sure. There will have been no fear in our lives. And if there was no fear in us, we would have seen clearly. And the prophets would not have needed to be campaigning for us with their prophecy. If you saw who win the election, share it amongst your friends. They all of you sit down and be watching. Don't come and declare it for us on the radio waves and the television waves. That is campaign. There's one prophet that did something the night before the election. Was it a night or two? How many nights was that time? That your guy. Two nights before the election. And I felt like you just broke the law. They're breaking the law. You know the reason why? Because we wouldn't offer God the praise that was due him. You are a witness. Or you are witnesses. How we used to pray here? How do we, how do we used to pray? You know, two important scriptures. One, give them to me. Eh? The governor, thank you, Psalm 22. Second one, Daniel Ch- Give this man a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> Do you know, if you recited that all the time, let me tell you something about Christ Jesus, and I'll close with it. He's not afraid of anybody. It sounds like a simple statement. You know one thing he said? You cannot fire a shot if I don't approve it. He said, ah, Isaiah chapter 54, please. It's in the scriptures, it's in the scriptures, it's in the scriptures, it's in the Bible. Many times I hear of near, you know, atomic bombs that almost went off by accident. They say, thank God it didn't go off, like as a game of chance. And God said, you don't understand. It was not meant to go off. I did not allow it to go off because it is not yet time for such to be detonated. So you hear that five minutes before this was supposed to happen, they finally managed to stop it and all of that. I read some of those stories. Very frightening. When the plane fell, the, 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 the plane was carried in the U.S. and the atomic bomb fell and fell into water. Americans, it was classified. Americans never found out. Or a plane carrying an atomic bomb crashed. People don't find, oh, you don't know it happens? But Americans will classify it. Say, no, it's classified information. It takes 50 years for you to hear about it. He said, behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for his work. Who created him? God. And I have created the destroyer to ruin. Isaiah chapter 54, I mean verse 16. In answer, but concerning you, talking about his children, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Please, let's not use the word prosper, making people confused. Let's use a modern translation. He said, no weapon turned against you will succeed. That's a better word. Like they get, aim, aim a gun at you, cock it, and fire. He said it won't go off. It's not whether the gun, look, it will not go off. That is, it's a decree of God. It won't go off. It's a decree of God concerning you, it will not go off. 
No gun goes off by accident. No, there's no we'll be talking about faith. Let me tell you something about faith. Faith, by faith, you create the realm of life you want to live in. You want to live in a realm where people die by accident. You create it by unbelief. The faith of God teaches us, his children, that nothing happens to us by chance. Nothing. Death is not an accident. He said concerning you, no weapon that is turned against you will succeed. That's it. Say amen to that. Look, that is let the person be the best sharpshooter in the world. If he aims a gun in your direction, he will miss. He said he will not do what? Succeed. Either the gun will jam. Or the best sharpshooter, you know, the best marksman in the world. He aims at you and he gets the guy next to you. Yeah, because sometimes some bullets have been ordained by God. They must kill somebody. Yeah, that, it may be funny, but that's actually true. So God will look and say, what do I do now? So that guy is a very, is a very, very good shot. And I made him a promise that he will never miss. No problem. Put his best friend in the same group to be the one to identify you. He won't know when he's doing it. So he tells you, so you you'll be the one to identify him, eh? That one will say yes. So that one will now go and do like this. As he's doing like this, pop! <coughs> the bullet will hit him in the head. And you want to know the truth? Many times it happens like that, you will never find out. You just continue going like nothing happened. You think your safety all this while has been by chance? No. Let me, now I'll tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not afraid of anything. But I found out the way Christians used to, why they do the lot of things they did. is fear. What do I call it? Fear. Fear. They are afraid. And I realized later the reason why they didn't react the way they were reacting, both before and after the election, is that I don't fear their fears. I don't fear their fears. So if you want to remain in Nigeria, eh? remain. Don't be afraid. Don't be. Don't be. Don't run anywhere. You are not even safer wherever you are going. I'm saying that to you with confidence. Why do I say it? Because there are prayers we prayed over 20 years ago. Whoever wants to scatter, see, again, you know, once in a while I sound arrogant, but it's because I magnify my office. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Was he arrogant? Either you are the light or you are not the light. It's not, um, do you follow what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So there are some things that are not arrogant. If I keep quiet, the Lord will be angry with me. Okay? I am convinced that one, not the only reason, one of the reasons why the Lord sent me to Enugu was to bring stability to this city and to this region. See, I will give you a head in exchange for peace. See, tell all troublemakers, they should maintain their boundary. You enter this city, you won't last. You will not last. You will not last. Look, Whoever wants to scatter this nation, <laughs> he died last week. Whoever wants to scatter the nation, no, no, you're gone. You're, you died long ago. Because you see, I have asked the Lord for peace. One of my favorite scriptures is that in peace I will lay me down and sleep, for the Lord alone makes me dwell in safety. He won't make me run at twelve midnight. Some of my favorite scriptures. With the troublemaker, we have trouble. Yes. If you annoy me too much, I won't mention your name, but I just use the scripture more in prayer. Your liver will fail. And I don't mean liver as in you become afraid. You go to hospital, they say that your liver is decaying. Yes. Because you won't make... See, there are scriptures that we have activated. 
I won't bring four children for calamity. My children will not be running up and I'm shouting, Daddy, 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 I'm looking for them. May it not happen. Amen. Anyone that wants to make it happen, he will die before it happens. Amen. Not joking, though. People of God. I ain't joking. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. He's not afraid. Just don't annoy him. What does it? Don't, don't annoy him. I look at Syria and say, what did people do to the king of kings? What did people do to the Lord of Lords? So that in 24 hours, more people died in that country than have died in the beginning of Boko Haram in Nigeria. Do you know that? About 60,000 people are dead. Eh? What did I say? I said Syria. Which country? Yeah, yes, Turkey. No, but which one did I say? Syria. Okay, it's a mistake. So I wanted to say Turkey. Sorry. Uh-huh. They happened also in Turkey, in Syria. We don't have um, the figures. So I look and say, Turkey people, what did you do to the king of kings? What did people do to the Lord of Lords? You must have offended him. You must have offended him. Or refused to plead for mercy when he warned. Let me tell you something what happens, why people sometimes have trouble. Missionaries will come, you kill them. God will take their blood, pour it in a jar, and measure it. Some will come, you persecute them. God will take, use it to increase the size of blood in the other one. Measure it. Say, look, how long will you keep silent before you avenge our blood? Say, wait. See, the jar never full. Then one day, when they start annoying him in other areas, he said, no, I'm activating their judgment by the measure of the blood of the saints. So look at some saints that are about to come home. He said, go and walk in that place. They walk there, you catch them, you kill them. The place is full. And there are some angels. They don't dance. They don't sing. <laughs> the only thing they do is shake the earth. Go, just tell them, come, go to that country. How many? The measure numbers. It's not, uh, it's not arbitrary. Tell him 85,000. How many days? Two days. So the angel will just look. Okay, what do we do? It's not devil. Devil will just quickly go and hide somewhere. Say, this one, this one is dangerous. This one is dangerous. I'm telling you the truth. Tell him. The one I keep on re- remembering was the one, the tsunami in Bandachi. That's 2003 or so. It's been a while. After I hit, one brother called me. He said, you remember you said this? I couldn't remember saying it. He said, one day I was preaching. There was something that happened in Indonesia at that time. He said, I said, these people are trying Jesus Christ. He said, they shouldn't let him get angry. It had to do with persecution of Christians and all of that. I said, the Lord will get angry. He said, I said, I think about 18 months or two years later, the tsunami hit. A quarter of a million almost in a few hours. In less than 24 hours, about 230,000 people were dead. Then he called he said, sir, you know you said this thing about two, 18 months or two years ago. I couldn't remember. It was one reminding me, I couldn't remember saying it. But what I remember I always say, which was what I must have said, is that don't annoy the Lord. That's why when I see Christians panicking in Nigeria, I say, you don't know who you serve. I don't think you understand him. There's a particular traditional ruler in Nigeria, very powerful man, very, very, very powerful. He was persecuting Christians in his area. The man of God flew there to go and see him. He said, the Lord said, I should tell you, you need to stop this. He didn't listen. A few months later, the head of state deposed him. 
Nothing related to that. that just anoint the head of state, they removed him. Somebody replaced him. And that man of God went, prophesied. That one's plane dropped out of the sky and he died. Look, 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 look. Don't joke with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said something. Let me give it to you so that I can close. Isaiah said, the Lord spoke to me with his strong arm. What did he say? Don't call it conspiracy. What these people call it conspiracy. He said, don't fear their fears. He said, the Lord alone, let him be your fear and let him be your dread. I speak to Christians in Nigeria. Fear God alone. Amen. I need to say this one. I need to say it. All right? Don't fear Islam. It's a sin. Don't call it conspiracy. What people call it conspiracy. One of the things I find that Christians that they can call conspiracy. They tell you COVID is a conspiracy. COVID-19 is a conspiracy. Some people gather together to poison the whole earth. I'm looking at it. Said the earth where Jesus is king? No. Nobody can shake this whole earth apart from him. Nobody. Nobody. No, I say, they don't, they don't understand the power of God. That's like, if you, if you follow my tweets that time, and some of my posts, I said, I feel sorry for Christians. I said, they don't understand the power of God. They don't understand the power of God. If they did, everything that's going on, they would just be laughing. They would be full of laughter. Let me go to this election thing for a few moments. Christians were depressed. Because of election results. I say, are you normal? Are you mental? Are you normal? Isn't it a big deal? Look, you know, I told you, I hardly vote for people who won't win. You know, so it's my, maybe, maybe that's my issue. I'm, I've, I've practiced it well enough, so it doesn't worry me. But my mother said, how can you be so entrenched into an election that somebody said he felt like the disciples must have felt when Jesus Christ died? I said, people don't have respect to. You don't respect Jesus Christ at all. You compare his death and a separation from Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and all of those people to a mortal man whose heart you do not know, losing an election? How can we be like this? How can we be like this? And they want to Islamize us, I say. The person that will Islamize Nigeria while I'm alive has not been born. That decree has gone out. See, I'll give you the word of the Lord. Say, don't call it conspiracy. What unbelievers call it conspiracy. And most importantly, what? Don't fear their fears. Rise to your feet and praise Jesus in your own words for two minutes. Calling names, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lord of Lords, Governor over Nigeria. King of kings, Lord of lords, the king of my home, the owner of my destiny, the pillar that holds my life, the one that plans my future, the one that died for my sins, the one that saved me, saved my wife, saved my children, the one that wiped away the ancestral curses in my life, the one that created this nation for his own purpose. The exact representation of the nature of the Father. Say, Jesus, we kiss you today. Because the Bible says, kiss the Son. We lay ourselves down before you. You are the risen Lord. Worship the Father. Father, we worship you. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who saved us. Gave us his only begotten Son.
The one that redeemed us from our sins. And is making us into the image of the Son. Who spoke with a clear voice. And he said, do not fear the fears of these people. Sanctify the Lord alone in your heart. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Say, Father, we sanctify you in our hearts. We worship, we give you our sacrifices today. The sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. Yes, the sacrifice of praise. Call him names. God, whose I am. And who myself. The one that makes the maker of weapons. Without whose authority, no weapon can succeed. Offer him thanksgiving. We must have an offering. We can't come empty handed. Say thank you because you have said. No weapon that is formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment. Is condemned. I offer you thanksgiving. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for the washing of water by the word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.